Good morning. Happy Father's Day. It is great to see you all this morning. Um, welcome. Welcome to those online as well. If you don't know me, my name is Joe. Um, I've been serving here for a while. I grew up in this church, and I was a resident here for a year, and now I get the chance to lead our young adults and middle school students. Um, my wife and I in May celebrated our second wedding anniversary, and so I'm an expert. What can I say? <laughs> she may beg to differ, but hey, we can have that conversation. Also, uh, today is a little bit more special for me because it's my first Father's Day. Um, our baby Nora was born almost four months ago now, and so I'm also a parenting expert, so those books will be following each other. Um, I expect the support from the church, but it is, it is great to be with you this morning. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever wanted to be the greatest at something? To be the greatest is a goal that many strive towards. When you were younger, maybe you wanted to be a professional athlete. Maybe you wanted to be the greatest musician or the greatest artist or the greatest astronaut. Perhaps now... You want to be the greatest grandparent or parent, husband, wife. And honestly, now that I'm a dad, I've been asking this question often, how can I be a great father? Well, in today's passage, thankfully, we see the disciples asking Jesus how one can be great in the kingdom of heaven. But let's remember here for a second that Jesus has been doing a lot of things through Matthew. He's been ministering, he's been healing and teaching, he's been transfigured, he was baptized, and he's remained faithful to his task. And he's even reminded his disciples again and again that he will die and he'll be resurrected. And in Matthew 18, where we pick up, he's approaching the end of his earthly ministry. In today's passage, we'll see Jesus address this question with his disciples and his answer will help us address when faith meets conflict. So turn with me to Matthew 18. We'll be in verse 1. If you want to grab the Bible in front of you, it's on page 799. So first is the question. We pick up in verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be the greatest at something, you have to know what it looks like. You have to know who the greatest is. But it's important for us to remember that the disciples have asked Jesus this question before. This conversation has often come up with the disciples because they wanted to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And we know admittedly, that the motivations of the disciples weren't always the most pure, and they were probably arguing among themselves as they often were. They wanted to know what it meant to be the greatest in the eyes of the greatest one. And thankfully, Jesus gives them and us an answer. But the answer he gives, like it often does, <laughs> proves that the disciples were asking the wrong question. And Jesus is going to redirect their mindset from the earthly, momentary, um, temporary way of thinking to the heavenly and eternal mindset. 
And so he answers the question. He answers the question for them in verses 2 through 5. Verse 2, he called a little child among them and placed, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them and he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. So Jesus says this is what it means to be great in the kingdom of heaven. And in order to prove his point, he brought a child among them. He wanted to demonstrate the humility of a child. And usually, as most of us know, children get a little bit less humble as they get older. Of course, ultimate wisdom is reached at around 24 years old like me, but in all seriousness, it was probably a young child who was still very dependent upon his parents. And Jesus said that unless you turn or are converted or change and become like this child, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus says we're to turn away from something and become humble like a child. And the humility of a small child is unique because he has no option to rely on his parents. He has no option in the fact that he's in great need and completely dependent upon others. A small child's nature is that he doesn't even realize that he couldn't survive on his own. And similarly, when we become like a child in the kingdom of heaven, we fall before God in absolute dependence on him. And so, this brings up a conflict. This is where the conflict comes in. Jesus says that we must turn or be changed or be converted to become like this small child. He's saying, this is not natural. It's not natural for you. This is not our way of doing things. Our natural tendency is to follow our own sin nature. Our natural behavior is to do what we want to do, what I want to do. To think that we've got it all figured out. To feel like we are in charge. To follow the course where the curse of sin leads us. To love the ways of the world. Last week, Kit presented us with the question, who do you say I am? And it feels like Jesus is foreshadowing this question to the question that the disciples posed to him. Because if Jesus wanted to, he could have just said, guys, it's me. I'm the greatest. He could have answered the question by who the greatest by saying, he's right here. You're missing it. It's obviously me, and you aren't even close. And unless you realize that, you won't even get in. We see the disciples' self-serving way of thinking and Jesus' self-sacrificial way of living collide in this one question. And we see Jesus clarify that to be great in the kingdom, you must serve. He then, while recognizing that he has all the power and authority on heaven and on earth, shows his disciples what self-sacrifice is when he's eating with them. And, we, and I'll read from John 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin 
and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a the towel that was wrapped around him. We then see Jesus personify service by ultimately paying the price for our sins, the ultimate price on the cross. For just as the Son of Man did not come to serve, did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus, by giving his life, is saying that we must be converted, we must change, we must become like a small child. We must realize that he is the greatest and that we can be a part of the kingdom if we serve as he did. Jesus says that this person is the greatest. Do you want to be great? It begins with recognizing that he, the one who paid the ultimate price on the cross, is the greatest. And Jesus further reveals the way of greatness for us by saying that anyone who welcomes a child welcomes him. Have you ever really taken a second and thought of the humility that it takes to be kind and loving to a child? Many of us don't even think about it. You must be silly sometimes. You must be extra patient. You must literally get down on their level, get on your knees so you can be at an equal footing with them. Literally get down to meet them. And just as it was then, it is now. There are so many places in the world, including here in the U.S., where children are at best cast off and at worst sacrificed for the well-being of adults. With such things as abortion, no-fault divorce, rampant fatherlessness, closing schools out of fear, a negative population growth, treating children as a momentary being rather than an eternal soul. Jesus says, let the children come to me. And I pray that no one here at WL would say, I just don't like children. For when you welcome a child, you're mimicking the character of God himself. So to be great in the kingdom, you must be a reflection of the greatest one by showing humility and service. And Jesus follows up with this question and answer with a warning. We pick up in verse six. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a, mil a large millstone hung around their neck and drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of such things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter life with one eye than have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. In other words, Jesus is saying, stop worrying so much about how to be the greatest and worry about how to get in. Friends, you can't embrace sin. You can't embrace sin and expect to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus is warning us about things that can stop us from entering the kingdom. And he's also warning about the judgment reserved for the person who causes a follower of his to stumble or lose faith in him. 
For Jesus said that it would be better for a person to have a millstone hung around his neck and drowned in the ocean. Let's remember here that a millstone was a huge round stone that was used to crush grain. It was often pulled by a donkey. Basically, he's saying there would be no escape to death if you had a millstone hung around your neck and you were tossed into the depths of the sea. Indeed, it would be a horrifying death. Yet, Jesus said, that would be better for someone than the judgment reserved for those who leads one of his followers, one of his little ones astray. But it doesn't stop there. The conflict is that this is not a call to passivity. This is not a, a passive call that just don't lead others astray. Look around. Our broader culture hates children. It's doing its best to lead the little ones astray. And let's be honest with ourselves. The church has famously been dismissive of how it views children. The warning that Jesus is giving is that we must show compassion to them, to the little ones. This warning that Jesus is giving is that we as Christians, as a church, we cannot, we must not sit passively by and say, well, I'm not leading them astray. It's not me. While we see them being destroyed physically, mentally, spiritually, so, so many Christians in this world, in this church, have fallen into the trap that to love others means to justify sin. John tells us that God is love, and he's right. And the most loving thing we can do as Christians is agree with God and to affirm what he says is good, not what the world says he is. And Jesus offers us another aspect to this warning. He speaks not only of the sins of others, but of our sin as well. He speaks to the serious nature of sin and the drastic measures we must take to overcome it. Jesus makes his point in verse 7 when he says, Woe to the person by whom the offense comes. At the start of this message, I asked, How can I be a great father? How can I be a great parent? For almost four years now, I have exclusively served in our, our student ministry with middle schoolers and high schoolers. Even two weeks ago, I led some of our middle school students to a camp of middle school students. And I get to see the firsthand results of parenting, good and bad. And there are some things that I wish would change. I wish that some parents cared more. I wish that some dads would step up and hold themselves accountable for their weaknesses. I wish that the woe that Jesus speaks of would feel more pressing than it seems. But also I wish that those small wins that only you get to see would be acknowledged. And I want to acknowledge them for all those small wins, well done. To be great at something, to be a great father, I need to be willing to follow the example, the wisdom of my dad, the great men in my life. A couple of weeks ago, my wife and I decided to dedicate our baby Nora in front of you, the church body, and it meant a lot to us. It meant a lot to me. But I ask that as you committed, you would take that seriously. You would take the calling to raise the next generation seriously. And you may be saying, Joe, it's too late for me. My kid's already grown. I've already failed. 
Let me tell you, it would have been easier when they were still little. It would have been, but it's not too late. The calling to raise the little ones in the knowledge of faith doesn't end as long as you're here. It's not too late. The fight isn't over. It's just beginning. And just as we're to take the calling of raising our little ones in faith seriously, we see Jesus emphasize how essential holiness is and what drastic measures we must take to pursue holiness. He says that it's better to cut off your hand or your foot or gouge out your eye if it causes you to sin lest you be cast into the fire. Well, what does that mean for you? Obviously, he's not saying literally chop off your arm. But what is causing you to sin? Is it your passivity? That you're afraid of what people will say or think? Is it because you don't want to be judgmental so we justify sin? Is it your phone by what you watch? what you spend your time on. You don't have to have a phone, at least not a smart one. Is it your tongue by what you say with other people? Surround yourself with others who will hold you accountable. Is it your hand by what you eat? Be honest and change it. I can keep going. We could go all day with this. We all have something. We all do. How can we cut out sin? We have to change, but like Jesus often does, he isn't talking about the easy or convenient way to change. He's saying that to sacrifice in order to live out holiness in this life will cost you something. Maybe that cost is a lifestyle that's normal to you. Friends, you have to change And actually reflecting God rather than just reflecting what we like is hard. But no matter what, I promise, and Jesus reassures us, that the cost is better. The cost is worth it. And that no matter the cost, it's better than to go into hellfire without any sacrifice at all. So don't ask yourself how close you can get to sin, like I often do. Ask yourself how close you can get to Jesus. The disciples asked Jesus a question, and he provided a life-changing answer and offered us a life-preserving warning. How can you be great? Come to him like a child. And that takes us to our bottom line. Greatness in the kingdom is found through humility, compassion, service, and holiness. And we are to show his compassion to others We are to serve without expectation. We are to pursue holiness as he has called us. This week, today, you're on a collision course with all of these things. As a part of the kingdom, you will have opportunities to live out these characteristics. Live out humility. I'm continuously learning what humility is, and at least for me, it seemingly came all at once when our baby Nora was born. It's not about me anymore, even if, if I wish it was. It's about my family. What does Nora need? What does Kate need, my wife? For you, maybe it's realizing again that life isn't about you. 
Maybe it's listening and not one-upping someone in a conversation. Maybe it's listening and being okay with the conversation not being about you. God is so much greater than we are and we desperately need him like a child needs his parents. Live out humility this week. Humility like a small child. Live out service. This is happening right now in our WL Littles and Kids, in our student ministries. But let me pull back the curtain for you for a moment. There aren't enough. There aren't enough serving with our, our kids. There aren't enough serving. There are always more opportunities to serve. And yeah, 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 you can hear me as trying to plug this as a church guy. But I encourage you, don't sit on the sidelines. Don't. Because when you're on the sidelines for a while, we can all admit that sometimes that bench gets pretty comfortable. For just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, how will you serve as he did? I encourage you to start somewhere, to continue where you have been, but no matter what, do it for his glory. Live compassionately. Live out compassion. Jesus said for us to show compassion, not only to those little children, but also to his followers, that we would love and care for others. Showing compassion, though, does not mean to justify sin and lead them to harm. That's the least compassionate thing we could do. But this opportunity, like the others, it will present itself this week, today. Maybe that means being polite to someone at your job, to someone you run into, or listening to your spouse, even when it seems like they're saying nothing, but they just want to talk. I often find myself asking the Lord to help me be more compassionate, but then I often find myself, when the opportunity is there, walking away from it. When this happens, don't flee from it. Don't flee from it. Live compassionately. Finally, live holy, live out holiness. Jesus said to take drastic steps, to take sin seriously, to pursue holiness. What will you do? Maybe you need to ask someone you trust, how can I live holy? What in my life needs to be cut out? Maybe you've asked that question before. Ask it again. It's worth the sacrifice that you make because the reward is a purposeful and everlasting life that we get to look forward to spending with the greatest one. But like Jesus says, the alternative is just as eternal, just as everlasting. For truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Friends, it's worth the sacrifice. Live out holiness. Do you want to know how you can best live out these things, humility, compassion, service, and holiness, go to his word again and again. Ask for help. Be part of a community. Oftentimes when we pray this prayer, Jesus is not just gonna just strike you and say, compassion. He's gonna give you opportunities to show compassion. Walk into it. Trust. And some of you may think, that you may never live up to this calling on your own. And you'd be exactly right. We need Jesus. We all need to find our greatness in the greatest one, the greatest one in the kingdom. For the time is now. 
for you to live these things out. Would you stand as we close in prayer? Lord, we ask that as these things are presented to us this week, today, in the next five minutes, that we would have the strength and the trust in you to step in, to lean in. Thank you for your word and the clarity that it can bring to us. Thank you for the conviction that it's brought to my heart. I ask that nobody here, that nobody that listens to this would leave here the same. We want to be changed. We want to be more like you. Thank you for ultimately paying that price so that we can be free, so that we can live, so that we can have relationship. Lord, we ask that you're with us. We ask that you continue to change us to be more like your son. And all God's people said, have a great week.